You're listening to the Rural Roundup from the Scottish Government's Farm Advisory Service. I'm Kerry Hammond, and today's episode was recorded on the 19th of December in advance of the festive season. Tiffany McTaggart is joined again by Robert Ramsey and George Chalmers to discuss their personal farming highlights of 2022, their wishes for the next year, and their New Year's resolutions. Hi George, how are you? I'm fine Tiffany. Robert, how are you? Yeah, very well. Life is good. Excellent. So what have you got your kids for Christmas this year, George? Well, uh, she could be getting... Well, she said that um, she's asked for a, a new football strip and one or two other things. So um, we'll just have to hope that she uh, stays a good girl and uh, Santa pays her a wee visit. And what have you got your kid, Robert? Hey, so Scott is six months, so he is at the fun stage, but also blissfully unaware of what any of this stuff's all about. So we're probably living the dream a wee bit and that we're buying him stuff that he needs, which we need for him, which is kind of... So what he's got... Um, Santa is bringing him various toys, but we also have spent a bit of time pl- painting his playroom and bedroom. So that's been his main main event. But as I say, I think for us, I think the whole Santa story really comes to life in 2023 and beyond. That's sweet, Robert. Yeah. Enjoy this one, Robert. Um, I'll, I'll warn you now, it uh, gets much more expensive from now on. <laughs> I'm hoping that inflation maybe has peaked and actually that although the cost will increase relatively, but actually, you know, we'll be in a cheaper time going forward, hopefully. <laughs> Naive to say the least. Yeah, just you mentioning inflation there. I think there's be- definitely been a big change in farming over the last year. But instead of dwelling on what has changed not for the not so good, what are the positives for 2022, George? I think um, one of the main things, certainly down the east side, a 2022 saw a very good harvest. It was like a grand slam, really. Um, good prices, good yields, good quality, and um, it was a good harvest. Um, it generally wasn't much drying needed, so and that, that was quite important this year with the way diesel prices went. Um, so that that's one of the the big positives down the east side. Robert, what were your positives? Yeah, on, on the same, you know, easy to find negatives when the media's constantly churning out bad stories and there was a lot of bad global stuff. But on the whole, for us as farmers, you know, we we in the West, certainly we had, I think, probably the best weather of the country. We had, when everybody else was in drought, we had just about enough rain to keep us going, plenty of good sunny days, but also plenty of moisture to keep grass growing. So grass grass growth for us was exceptional and that meant for livestock producers and and arable guys to an extent but certainly the livestock guys benefited from a nature growing grass forest rather than having to bang on a lot of bagged bagged fertilizer so that was a big saving and stock stock did well a lamb lambs finished early for most people and you know i think we were actually looking forward into 2022 it was quite scary and looking back it wasn't quite as bad as we thought it would be and and certainly that the weather story for us in the southwest has been really the the big positive even right up till um you know we had a fairly wet october november 
we've had a bit of a winter recently as well, which has been quite for us. You know, it's been it's been nice to have a bit of a bit of frost to deal with, a bit of clean weather. Um, the last few days has been a wee bit trickier. We had we went from minus minus thirteen at home on a Thursday of last week, and it's thirteen degrees today. So it's been a very challenging spell weather-wise recently, but interesting and and certainly. So I would say yes, that's a long-winded answer to the weather and grass growth have been my positives. Yeah, we've had the change in weather from minus 13 up to 13 here in the southeast as well. And you almost want to go outside in your shorts and T-shirts because it's such a shock to the system. My positive for 2022 has definitely been able to get out and about again. We've been able to have the Highland Show. We've had Agri-Scott. We've had numerous local county shows across the country as well. And we've had a bit more sense of normality being able to go out and socialise again, which has been great. I think just to add to that, Tiffany, I mean, that's been a huge benefit to me. It's for a, It's been great to return to not what normal was. It's a new normal and, and we've learned a lot, certainly in the way we deliver for Farm Advisory Service and, and other programmes is the way we deliver things has changed. But we have returned to that face-to-face farmer contact, consumer contact as well in some cases that it's really nice to get back out in front of people and, and really discuss things properly which you just can't do on zoom and you can't do we did our best through covid but it's been great just to be back to you know having a real kick at the ball again i think as well robert um i don't know what you feel about it but um farming's a lonely business and i think certainly when we're doing iaxes back face to face with people and i i think they were delighted to to come you know farmers were delighted to come in and actually see folk catch up um, and that, that's really important, um, the face-to-face side of things. Absolutely. Definitely very important. Hopefully that can continue through into 2023. So, Robert, what is your New Year's resolution for 2023? Oh, I'm not actually sure. Um, New Year's resolutions, I am rubbish at New Year's resolutions. So a while ago, I made a New Year's resolution or a resolution not to do it again because it's a complete, for me, it's a complete waste of time. Um, but I think the probably challenging myself a bit, so push myself out of my comfort zone more often, maybe try and do that once a day. I don't know how that maybe lands up with bungee jumping or something to uh, force me to do it. That's probably when I would stop. But I think certainly we've, we've as we mentioned there, we've moved back into a new a new type of working a new type of living and I think it's important that we keep that fresh as well so I'm going to I'm going to keep myself out of my comfort zone how about you George um I think I agree with Robert's sentiment to start with and um you make resolutions best intentions and you just end up breaking them so um yeah I've I've reached a stage in life that um you just give up (laughs) don't bother (laughs) So a friend of mine was talking the other day um, about their New Year's resolution of giving Veganuary a go. It's not something that I've ever considered before, but what are your thoughts on it, Robert? Well, I mentioned out my comfort zone. That would be too far out my comfort zone, I think, Tiffany. That would be a... It's The challenge for me is most of my clients are livestock producers. I'm a livestock producer, and a lot of my work is in beef consultancy. So it's a difficult difficult place difficult you know for me to position myself into veganuary a politically is quite a sensitive one however i can see there's a lot 
I disagree with it a lot. But when I take a big step back, I can kind of see there's an awful lot of good storytelling and good marketing going on in there. There's a lot of, you know, it's a movement, it's happening. People are engaged in this. How many people are engaged is, is sometimes unclear. But there is a big market there and there's a big number of consumers involved in that. So am I going to go do any have anything to do with Veganuary? No, I'm not. But certainly interested to see how that organisation evolves and see where it lands up. George, would you be interested in seeing Veganuary in a different month of the year when perhaps there's more fresh produce available? Um, I... I think, um, well, if you look back, um, winter months are always when, uh, you know, livestock were, were being fattened for. Um, so, you know, this time of the year, there there's a lot of meat eating. Um, in terms of seasonal veg, um, well, uh, most, most vegetables are probably in the autumn time, so it may make more sense then. Um, uh, I do think that uh, the message they get across, it, it you know, they're fantastic at getting their message across. Um, it appeals to uh, young people, and I think there's a, a real lesson to be to be learned there. Um, uh, you know, by you know, meat bodies and such like they, how how can they capture some of that um, marketing and, and and use it to put a positive spin on the meat sector, whether that's beef, lamb, pork, chicken, um, and 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 I think that's that's as uh, as lessons to be learned there. I think there's definitely lessons to be learned in the marketing side. Um, so Veganuary inspired and supported over six hundred twenty thousand people to try being vegan in twenty twenty two in the UK. That is a huge number of people. So there's definitely some very good marketing. How do you think we could improve the marketing to promote beef and perhaps have a month where you're trying to promote people to eat more meat? The good news with 620,000 people starting it is most people fall off the wagon at some point. And when you fall off the wagon, you have a steak. So as a producer of high value protein, I am pleased to see people having a go and then falling off the wagon. So, but joking aside, I think, my problem here is with extremes so it's with everyone should do this and never eat this again or everyone should do that and never eat that again and I think so I've nailed my colours to the mast I know where I stand with veganism with traditional diets as well I, that I'm, I'm happy that a mixed diet is what I need as a human being what I'm I do think our system is wrong. The way we produce, you know, the way we're producing all foods in this country, the way we're marketing all foods is wrong. Whether that's vegan products, meat products, we need to return to local or, pr- or prioritise local, shorten supply chains and encourage natural wherever possible. Because actually the meat versus vegan story is, there's a, another evolving story coming, which is, the totally manufactured protein as well. And that's a different, you can have a vegan diet without a manufactured protein. And I think as a a meat producer, a meat consumer, I'm more concerned about us falling into a trap of 
creating, producing, printing all the all the protein we need in a lab made out of we don't know what, and make it into, and instead having a natural, balanced diet, which I think is is my. That's where I think we need to get to as a species. I think that's where we would be healthiest. I think that's where the planet would be healthiest as well. It's all about balance. It's not about extremes. I definitely feel like I would fall off the bandwagon if it was bacon. I would go for bacon before steak, probably. How could you resist that? But for me, I definitely would be more concerned about where the food's coming from. You make a very good point about the meat and having manufactured meat and not knowing what's in it. But I think it'd be more important, um, we talked in the last episode about eating local produce. I think I'd rather know where my food came from somewhere locally rather than somewhere that's cutting rainforests down um, just to produce soy. I'd rather have local fresh produce. What about you, George? Um, I think I think there's a whole, there's, a, there's really a wider debate to be had, really. Um, and when you look at it, and if you step back from it, um, you know, more and more farmers, and certainly in the east, are they're looking at trying to include livestock in one way or another, um, basically to keep boosting the fertility, to to reduce their reliance on um, a nitrogen fertilizer uh, to pull down their carbon footprint. Um, so, and and that can be you know the use of uh, you know introducing livestock to farm or it could be cover crops being grazed off um so there's a bigger there's a bigger much bigger picture here and um yeah is there enough alternative proteins out there to feed you know to produce enough um uh, protein to the, to humans i don't i don't know i don't know we're seeing an, an awful lot of people looking at regen agriculture so regenerative agriculture principles and that's somewhere i'm really quite interested in again it's quite extreme so it's quite everyone should do it this way and we've all been doing it wrong forever but actually within the regen stuff there's an awful lot of really good principles that we can we we can all apply one or two of them to our businesses to to everyone's benefit but when you look at regen the main principle of regen is on in an arable system you must have a living root in the soil and you must have a ruminant animal grazing it so we almost were i think we're in a scary place when it comes to climate i mean the climate story is the main reason most people have a go or the vegan the the plant-based diet argument is argument's the wrong word discussion is based around climate almost entirely around climate some people are animal welfare people and there's various reasons but the climate story is the one that always comes back to and i do fear that we chase the methane the ruminant producing methane chase it so hard that we actually realize that the ruminant's also the thing that grows soil in a properly management properly managed system now to get to that stage we need to actually reform the way we produce food across the whole country and we need to actually, you know, there's an awful lot of arable production done in Scotland with no livestock input whatsoever. And to me, we he- we do hear about there's only 60 harvests or 70 harvests left in the UK's soils. Well, there isn't, because if you come to me where I've not been cropping, there's an awful lot of so- harvest left in those soils. But if you go to the East Coast where there's, n- where there's 
intensive arable and no stock, there is a there's a problem there. So I, I think we need to reform what we do, but that doesn't include stopping what we do. And it, it just means doing everything we do better and doing it maybe in a slightly different place, a slightly different way. Um, but as I say, going back to what I said to start with, we need a balance. Um, whether it's a regenerative or or or, or whatever, it, it, it basically comes down to sustainability. Um, and whether that's all the same thing or not, I'm not just 100% certain. Um, but, um, you know, we're starting to see that up here now. The farms that, you know, in the 70s and 80s, it was um, up, up corn, uh, down horn. In a dry year, their crops tend to struggle much more than, than the farms that have still got some farm urban ure uh, going about. Um, and that's becoming more and more noticeable now. Um, so I think I think it's trying to find a happy medium, and and you know that's regen being promoted, but really it's it's finding trying trying to farm more sustainably in the future. I think that's that's where we really need to be. If I was in the pub with, you know, having one of those pub debates, maybe not too late on in the night, but if I was trying to convince. A group of vegans that they are going the wrong way too. I would be arguing that so we know for individuals the best thing we can do from a the, the thing they've got most control over carbon footprint wise is their diet. So if you if you go to a plant only a plant based diet, you will reduce your individual carbon footprint. However, if we model that across the whole world and take all animal protein out the equation. We cannot square that circle. As agronomists, as soil scientists, we cannot square that circle to make it work. So what I would argue is let's, rather than go for January, let's go vegan for a month. Let's maybe try and go local for a year. Let's try and buy as close as we can. And I'm, unlike the veganuary thing, I'm going to give you a few luxury items, a few things that we can import, a few things that we can bring in as required. But can we get through a year? with a relatively local, relatively short supply chain diet. And I honestly believe if we can do that, we're all friends again. There's no issue, there's no argument, life is good. I feel like we found your New Year's resolution, Robert. Yes, stop moaning, be more positive. <laughs> <laughs> so I wish you all a happy new year and we'll see you again in January. All the best guys. Yep, happy new year when it comes. Mary Jane Laurie, host of our sister podcast, Agriculture, joined me to talk about her show, the episodes she's released so far, and what you can expect to hear on agriculture in the new year. Hi, I'm Mary Jane Laurie, and I present the Agriculture podcast for the Farm Advisory Service. And through the podcast, we get the chance to interview a, a range of inspirational people from across Scotland and beyond just about their, their farming stories and um, lots of interesting tales to tell how they got into farming, a little bit about their background and what, what they do with their farm business at the moment. So the idea for this podcast was to interview uh, men and women from uh, across Scotland about their farming stories, just to give a different perspective on it all. At the moment, there are three episodes of Agriculture live at the moment. So the first one was with Peter Eccles. The second one was with 
Chris Dyer and the third one was with Sammy Kinghorn and this month we have our fourth episode coming out which is with Anna Davies from On Farm Podcast. We have two further episodes available in the series which will be coming in January and February finishing with quite an exciting episode that I'm really looking forward to listening to. The first episode is with Peter Eccles. He's a farmer's son from East Lothian who started out as an agricultural consultant and then he moved to being a farm manager in Midlothian and he's now managing a farm in the Highlands. He talks about his experiences and what drives him to work hard as an employee rather than owning his own farm business. So rather than following the route of succession, he's gone down the route of um, working for someone else. So it was really interesting to chat to him. That podcast is called Success Out With Succession. The second podcast in the series is with Chris Dyer from Garth's Croft on Shetland. We were talking about crofting and the cultural heritage on Shetland. He's a new entrant farmer with a background in archaeology and he's now running a successful diversified crofting business where he welcomes visitors onto his croft to talk about Shetland, the history and what he's doing on his croft. The title of that second podcast is Crofting, Culture and Heritage. The third podcast in the series is with Sammy Kinghorn. Sammy is a Paralympian from the Scottish Borders, where I'm from as well. So it was great to chat to her about her childhood growing up on the farm. She had an accident on the farm, which led her to become a global superstar in the para-athletic Paralympian world. That episode is called Thriving Through Adversity and Promoting Diversity. The fourth episode that we've got coming up, which will be released this month, is with Anna Davies from On Farm Podcast. It was great to chat to her about the work that she does promoting Scottish rural businesses. And the title of that episode is Agricultural Storytelling on Farm. I think my favourite podcast episode has to be with Sammy because just we had a great connection both being from the, the borders growing up with a similar farming background and we just I just had a great chat with her she was excellent to talk to and super inspiring I also enjoyed talking to Peter Eccles who is an ex-colleague from SAC it's interesting to see the different path that his career has now taken him on Chris Dyer from Garth Croft was brilliant to talk to. I know very little about crofting and so it was excellent to have a different um, outlook on agriculture in Scotland from him and the cultural heritage on Shetland. And finally, talking to Anna, it, it was great to chat to her about how she interviews farmers from across the UK on the different topics that she covers on her podcast. It was nice just to get an insight into what she's doing. Agriculture is produced as part of Scotland's Farm Advisory Service in partnership with the Scottish Government. It's produced by Kerry Hammond, who is a food and enterprise and diversification specialist. We have Callum Johnson, a researcher, and he's also a food and enterprise consultant. And it's edited by Ross McKenzie, who is an agricultural consultant based on Sky, and Kieran Sim, who is part of the Farm Advisory Service digital media team. And of course, it's presented by myself, Mary Jane Laurie. I'm an agricultural consultant based in the Edinburgh office. I'm originally from the Borders, but now live just west of Edinburgh with my husband on the family farm. We farm in partnership with his parents and I've got three wee boys to look after as well. My background is in conservation biology, so I've got a real interest in environmental science, environmental issues on farms and how we can all be working towards more sustainable farming in the future as alongside doing general agricultural consultancy work um, in our Edinburgh office. Season two of Agriculture will start in August next year, 2023. We have 10 episodes coming up. The first episode will be released on Friday, the 11th of August, 2023.
If you would like to listen to some of our agriculture episodes, you can find them on your usual podcast provider. And if you would like to subscribe to the podcast, you can do by clicking in the show notes, which will give you alerts for when any new episodes come out and give you an alert for season two starting. We are always looking for more people to interview for the podcast, so we would love to hear from you if you've got an interesting story to tell. You can find my contact details um, through LinkedIn, which will be linked in the show notes. The latest episode of Agriculture, Anna Davies' Agricultural Storytelling on Farm, is also released today. And you'll find the show linked in the show notes. So if you find yourself in crimble limbo and need a break from all the socialising, why not give it a listen now? Thank you for listening to this episode of the Rural Roundup. All of us at the Farm Advisory Service hope you've had a wonderful Christmas or festive celebration, a great holiday and some time to relax. However, we know this time of year isn't easy for everyone. So reach out to your friends, family and neighbours to make sure they're doing okay. And if you need some support, you can find details of some great organisations like RSABI and the Samaritans in the show notes. Have a happy Hogmanay and the Rural Roundup will be back with your latest news on the 25th of January. The Farm Advisory Service Podcast. Audio advice on livestock, crops and soils, environment, rural business and more. Brought to you in association with the Scottish Government.